Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Jordy's not in today. Jim Gazzola is here sitting in for the Blonde Bomber. I want to say this. Whenever I come on for the Blonde Bomber, he always wants to ask me one question, and that is, how is Will Wade in LSU? Because he is a big Will Wade fan when he was at LSU, and he wants to – I think hey, I think, he, I think Jordy would like Will Wade to be back. Jim Gazzola back for a sit-in for the Blonde Bomber today. And lots of things to talk about. LSU baseball, obviously the biggest thing. But coming over from Lake Charles, no, it's not Wednesday night. This isn't the McNeese Coaches show. This is Jordy's show. I'm just subbing in. So we'll bring you what we can. But here's the one thing we won't be talking about. We won't be talking LSU basketball. James Mesh is with us. James, will we be talking LSU basketball at all? Probably not, no. No, not at all. <laughs> and, and there's good reason for that. LSU basketball, by the way. Not playing McNeese. They were close to playing him for two years in a row. Somebody backed out. I won't say who. So, <laughs> Will Wade already making friends all over the state for a <laughs> McNeese basketball. LSU baseball, folks. I want, I want to get your opinion on this. To me, I think tonight's game with Wake Forest is the national championship game. I think when you look at pitching matchups, when you look at how it's going to play out, the winner of this game tonight will have a huge advantage moving forward with an opportunity not to have to use their ace to get into the championship round. The loser of this game, if they're going to make it to the best two out of three in the finals, they're going to have to use their ace at some point in time, and I think that is a huge deal. James, do you agree with that? I agree because at that point you would be down and – I think it is going to have that championship type of energy because we see it before in all kinds of sports, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football. Like in certain rounds, before we get to that championship round, you kind of get like a that felt like a championship game. And the fact that they put the Demon Deacons and the Tigers in the same bracket was kind of wild to me. But I am not surprised that Florida is where they're at right now in the bracket on their side. Yeah, I well here here's the thing: you think it was a setup. <laughs> Did you want to see? Flo- I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was. Would you rather setup, see but it was Florida like- and LSU play in this round, or would you rather want the chance of seeing two SEC schools in the finals? I think for SEC wise, I think they would have rathered have the likelihood of two different SEC yeah. schools being in the championship round. Yeah. So, it- but I think, but I think when it comes to matchup wise, Wake Forest being the scariest, you would rather see them in the final round. If you're an LSU fan. Of course. Yeah, w- without question. I'm just saying that if you did that, I think you would have a lot of SEC fans upset you couldn't have had the Florida-LSU matchup, which they're hoping for. That That's the only thing. And, and if you try well, to you avoid that. Sent, you could have sent Virginia down this side. Then you would have had LSU on the other side. Nah, nah you could have kept LSU on this side. So you would <laughs> put Wake Forest on the other side? Yeah, Wake switch Wake Forest to Virginia. But then Florida fans would be upset. 
But you don't care about Florida fans. I don't so care. That, that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Admit that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, is you're that, trying to find the clearest path for LSU to get to the championship. Exactly. All right. The most optimal the, the most optimal route. I think this is the best game of the year. Has the potential to be the best game of the year. And it's, and it's got a very good chance of being a very high-scoring affair. Because neither the, neither of the ace pitchers are pitching. So it's 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 ideal. It's got a, it's got a chance to be an interesting, fun evening. How's and, that? Oh, it's going to be a very fun evening. Even though I like to see pitchers do really well, get a lot of strikeouts, I'm more of a hit kind of guy, so I like to see more runs. So this, this, runs. this would be my type of game. <laughs> you're going to see runs. That's what, I, that's what I'm looking and I, for. And I, I am of a full belief that this game right here will ultimately determine the national championship. For whatever reason, I think that if you look at prolonging this, now the, the interesting thing is if the loser of this game comes back and wins – and gets to and forces an extra game, then both teams will have to use their ace probably on that night. And now all of a sudden you got somebody from the other side like Florida that's pretty happy. So, <laughs> so I get your point. So you wanted to see LSU roll everybody, win three, and be in. Exactly. Get it done. Get it. Get it done. And then and then you and then you're all ready and you're rested up for the best of three series in the championship round. And go get go get some Jello shots. Oh, all the Jello shots. And and that's that's all anybody talks about. Besides, there's a couple of people talking about the game, but everybody else is talking about these social media Jello shots because it's such a fun little thing. Because not only is it fun, (laughs) but it's also for like a good cause. It ends up being for a good cause. Yes. There's a lot of people that are going to have bad mornings for a good cause. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, all right. There we some, go. Somebody's got to make sacrifices, right? Somebody, yeah, somebody's got to pay the price. Somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay the price and do the little things it takes for others to win. I agree. And people from Louisiana are willing to pay that price. My only question for all the ULSU fans out there is: Is this team good enough to make enough plays defensively if the ball starts pinging all over the field? Because I've seen them a couple of times. I saw them against McNeese. I saw them a couple other times where. They can implode defensively, and that and and set up a big inning for Wake Forest. That would be my only one take. Uh, they'll be able. Can they out hit their mistakes? Because they're going to hit the baseball. They're going to score runs. They're going to put pressure on the defense. But can they make enough plays and get enough strikes to where they can outlast any mistakes they make? And it feels like they have a good chance of doing that because yeah. even the players that talked about it post game after the Tennessee game. Saying that, I mean, obviously they're really nervous because most of them it was their first time being in the College World Series and being in Omaha. So it's like, yeah, you're you're gonna have the jitters, but you saw a really good defense by LSU, whether it was Paul Skeens getting twelve strikeouts or even well, if they helps. got it. It really does help. But even even then, you still got an excellent first baseman making super athletic, made some great plays, absolute great plays to get the out. But then also Josh Pearson making catch after catch after catch in left field. And it was like, I mean, if, if we can still do still have that happen, and if Jordan Thompson at shortstop can make still some good plays and if he not, can make not let too much happen. Plays. Yeah, if you can make routine, routine plays. Routine plays and make the right throw and hit the right base, then he's just got to be solid. Yeah. Not Doesn't asking, be spectacular, not, has to be solid. Not asking for the world, just like. No, make the play in front of you. Exactly. Don't don't make don't let Wake Forest have three outs, four outs. Like I think Th- that's I th- the issue. I think the Deacons they would have to hit a bunch in the gaps to give themselves like a real chance. They're gonna Unless, have to score runs too. Yeah, there's no question. They're gonna have to because score runs. the bottom of the lineup did really good with Gavin Dugas and Brayden Jobert 
hitting getting hit after hit after hit. Well, there's no there's nobody in the country better than LSU one through nine. Right. With but depth like if, of offense. If you can if you can see Tommy and Dylan and Trey get some hits. No, the, and they'll rotate that. They'll they'll roll that lineup over over and over. No, that they, they are they are without question the best one through nine offense in the game. It's just do they have enough pitching and enough defense to win games where they're behind with the starting pitcher? Very good chance of that. Yeah. Well, we're gonna find out. <laughs> we we will find That's out. That's the beauty of this, James. You're we're gonna we're gonna find out about four hours. Me. I'm not. Don't get upset with me because I'm picking may pick against them. I'm just saying we'll find out. Uh, you know, I, I everybody hated me because I thought Brian Kelly would lose four games last year. Hit him with the classic Jordy line. We shall see. We shall. We, we shall, shall see. see. Yes, we shall see. But I do like the fact that they, they they had to win the first game because you can't lose that game with Skeens on the mound. No, that, that, that would that is that, that is would, crippling. That would have set you up for failure. And he looked as good as he's looked all year. He was still throwing 100 miles an hour in the eighth inning. He looks he to me he looks ready for a major league start. Oh yeah, he's ready. Maybe two minor league startups, but the only problem with that is he's going to go on his first two picks or three picks and they're give him going to stink as a team, so. Give him a couple of weeks. Yeah, to rev up. To rev up. And then just no. let him just let him pitch. He don't have to wait a whole year. No. He's ready there to is go. no there's no reason why he should not be unless he's hurt at some point in time. There's no reason why he should not be pitching in the major leagues this year. I don't think you know, but I know people want to, don't want to start guys' clocks, don't want to do all these stupid things. But if you're a bad baseball team, and he's probably going to go to a bad baseball team, what better way to pump a little life into your non-sellout crowds in Oakland or something than with him? What else? Do, well, I guess maybe maybe give him a start in Las Vegas. How's that? The A's can give him a start in Las Vegas if they pick him number. Would you pick him over Cruz number one? I. Ooh. I, <laughs> this is tough because you got an everyday player. Right. But I got a once in a generation arm. And here's the thing is Paul Skeens can also hit. It's just we haven't seen him yeah, do it because hit, he's not hitting LSU hasn't needed to do it. He's but not you, hitting at the next level. You could do it though. You could you could do it if if you really needed to. You could have you can have another Shohei. Okay. Now now I think you're pushing the LSU envelope a little much. You but he was, I, he was hitting really good at Air Force. Okay. <laughs> he was hitting really good at Air Force. Congratulations. Like, if you need him to be at the bottom of the lineup. Mr. Mr. Mountain West, congratulations. You could, <laughs> hitting, hitting, in, hitting home runs in altitude. Okay. That's a little different. If Trust me, if he could hit 400, he'd be, he'd be the DH on those days <laughs> he was not pitching. You're not going to give up that kind of thing. But I think he's a once-in-a-generation pitcher. I, I'd have a hard time not taking him number one. I was going to say, do you think the Pirates take him first, or do you think the Nationals get him at the 102? I'm going to take him number one. You would take him number I one? Would take an, I would always take – I want the majority of arms. I can always get a guy that can hit. That, that's kind of my thinking. I know that's, a, that's kind of a little older than most in thinking, but I, I like arms. I, that's just me. I want I want as many good arms as I can have, and I would hate myself if that guy goes out and wins twenty one games one year and I didn't take him. It's fair, but what about a really good batter and a good def, uh, center fielder in Dylan Cruz? I think I think you can get more. I think there are more of them out there. 
I, I don't think there's I don't think there's as many big time arms. I don't I don't think the pirates can go wrong either way. Oh, the pirates can go wrong. They're the pirates. I mean, <laughs> they can they just, always go wrong. They, they could skip out on a bunch of guys. They could say w- w- he's not signable and takes somebody that should be five or six. That would be a pirate thing to do. I, I think whether they took Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens would be a really good. I would think, really yeah, one of those. You have to take one of the two, right? Plus, uh, Cruz. The, the thing about Cruz is, he's a center fielder, and he's a pure center fielder. It's not like he's a right fielder or a left fielder that you're playing in center field because it's college. He is a legitimate major league center fielder. Now, is he a major league bat? That you find out a little differently, but you can see the analytics on the numbers of a pitcher and a guy throwing a hundred miles an hour, seven and eight innings in. That's going to equate the major leagues for sure. And I'm going to take that. And every fourth day, I'm going to have a big crowd. <laughs> every fifth day, I'm going to have a big crowd. He's going to pitch a lot of home games if I'm the Pirates the first year. A lot of home games. If he's, in, if he's a national, he's pitching every home game. He will never see a road start. <laughs> How's that for you? Never going to let him see the road start. We're going to take our first time out here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home. For the Houston Astros and tonight, the LSU Tigers. We'll be right back. This is the Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you looking for some great deals? Well, then you can look no further than AcadianaDeals.com. There are plenty of two-for-one deals available right now. You can get a $30 voucher at La Hacienda for only $15. You can score a $15 voucher to Pizza Artisa for only $7.50. And you can also get a $40 voucher to Misfits Dine and Drink for only $20. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com to take advantage of these deals and so many more. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Blonde Bomber is not in. Instead, it's the Gray Ghost. Can I say that here, or is it just the uh, gray old man? Jim Gazzolo in for Jordy Holberg today. And we got uh, at 3.30, Cokie Riley. From the advertisers, going to talk LSU baseball. He's actually in Omaha for tonight's game, a huge baseball game we've already talked about. But right now we're going to talk SEC baseball and Todd Butler, who is now the recruiting coordinator and assistant baseball coach at Oklahoma, which is joining the SEC. Todd, are you there? I'm here. How you doing, Jim? Where are you right now? What state are you well, in? Well, I'm at home. I'm at home with a, a book ledger, uh, writing down names of players in the portal, and uh, getting prepared to head up to Norman, Oklahoma, here sometime this week. So now that you are moving on from the associate athletic director at McNeese, you're a former baseball guy. You've been all over the SEC. Um, Missouri hired you for a while. <laughs> Wichita State hired you for a while. Uh, McNeese had you as a head coach for for a while. Um, yeah. Why are you getting back in the game? Um, thought I was coming home. You know, I started at McNeese as a player, student athlete, and uh, 
our coach was fired, and I transferred to U- University of Oklahoma, and I played two years there and finished, came back to McNeese and graduated. So, you know, after the coaching of 30 years, I came back home, me and my wife and girls, we were happy being with family and uh, very thankful to Dr. Burkell and Heath Stroyer uh, for giving me the opportunity. I absolutely loved it. I was not looking for a job. I was very happy in the job I was doing here at McNeese, my hometown in southwest Louisiana with good friends and uh, dealing with football and basketball. And, and the phone rang and uh, had an opportunity to go back kind of like McNeese where I started. So when you talk about a full circle, it's uh, really shocking and surprising. And I did miss it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's definitely different with the portal and the NIL and things like that. But uh, it's an opportunity to go back where I played and uh, hopefully finish one more run. And then after that, probably come right back home. <laughs> and get on your boat, right? Yeah. What's that? Get on your boat and go fishing, right? Yeah, my wife has been telling me to be patient for 30 years of coaching that I would eventually get a boat, and the best fishing is in southwest Louisiana, and I still have to call my buddies to go fishing. So I'm hoping to go go to OU, win some baseball games, and help them along the way. And then when I get back to the Louisiana state line when I'm finished, I'm going to get a boat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 17 years you've been in the SEC. Oklahoma is yep. not in the SEC, but they will be in the SEC yep. very soon. Would you have would you have gone to Oklahoma if they weren't going to the SEC? SEC is just different, as you know. It means more, like they say. You're dealing with the elite players in college baseball at that level. Other than professional, it's the highest level of amateur. Um, uh, these players are so good. You watch the World Series, which I'm watching right now, Stanford and Tennessee. They're throwing 97 miles per hour. You know, if you backed up to 2012, 2000, I, th- I think that's when they went to the bats that were terrible. You had, hit, you had to hit the ball twice, two times. Hit the ball, pick it up, go hit it again to hit a home run at uh, Meritrade. Now they're hitting home runs again like it's the 90s when we had gorilla ball and, uh, you know, 135 home runs for LSU. And I think uh, – you know, Wake Forest has 130-something home runs, so it's back to power baseball and power pitching. But the SEC, it's just an opportunity that, uh, you know, we'll be in the Big 12 for a year. Hopefully I can recruit to the SEC style and physicality and uh, that league every weekend. You do not need to look at the schedule. Uh, it's going to be tough three-game series every weekend, so it's, it's going to be fun to be a part of that again. Uh, you, watch, you watch college baseball as much as anybody. We talk Correct. college baseball a lot, you and I. We've also said the same. You picked Florida to win it about midseason when I asked you. Are you sticking with Florida? Are you going to go with LSU? What do you think of Wake Forest LSU tonight? You know, I I picked Florida at the beginning of the season because Florida, it was very quiet down there. And uh, though Sullivan's a very good coach, I've known for a long time, like most of the coaches in the SEC. But I wasn't hearing a lot from them. So I was going, there's something going on down there. They're very good. They can really pitch. They have power. They're, they're, They're just a really complete team. It almost made a big mistake last night with the uh, pitching change. You know, it almost affected the Florida Gators. Uh, LSU, just as good. Wake Forest, never saw them till the regionals. Uh, was hearing from some buddies, Wake Forest is really good. Uh, led the country in ERA. They hit homers. I don't know how big their park is. It seems like it's a little bit smaller park. Uh, watching Alabama play them in the Supers. And there were a lot of home runs hit. So the the big game of the World Series to me is tonight, LSU versus Wake Forest. Now, yeah. here's the kiss of death. In 1996 and 97, if I'm not mistaken, we were the only team so far to go back-to-back trips to Omaha 
at Alabama. We were ranked number one going in. Uh, I think we finished fourth or fifth in 96, 97. Of course, all the LSU fans know, you know, we battled LSU for the national championship and we fell short. So the kiss of death in Omaha, I think 1999, Miami went in number one to Omaha and they ended up winning it. I think that's the only team ranked number one going in that, that has achieved it. Lake Forest is a big target on their back, but I'm going to be honest with you, and I know you're going to ask me who do I think will win tonight. I have to go with the LSU Tigers. Just the experience of Omaha, uh, all the years would skip, you know, the five national championships, the one national championship with Paul Maneri. And I think they just, you know, they've been working for this since they stepped on campus as freshmen or transferring in, and I, I have to go with LSU. Are you sticking with Florida overall, or are you going to flip? You know what? I'm still going to go with uh, – uh, I'm, I'm not going to answer that one right now. I'm oh, come on. how the game goes tonight. Yeah, I'm not going to answer you. I, I have LSU winning tonight. Um, L, uh, Florida last night, was that was a concern. They got you know, a little mistake that they made. The players overcame the mistake, thank goodness for them. But uh, you know, I'm going to let tonight play out and see uh, see what happens before I make the next decision. Are you of the? I'm of the belief that tonight is a national championship game, actually, because of the how the pitching matches up the rest of the way through. The winner of this it, game, the winner of this game, has a huge benefit moving forward, though, don't they? It is the winner of this game. Usually, I think I saw 19 out of 20 time, 22 times, 19 out of 22 national champions were two and zero. Oh. Uh, you know, going into the, you know, you get two days off, you get to rest a little bit, which is very important. Uh, the times that we played for a national championship, we had a loss. And, uh, and then in 2012 at Arkansas, we were 2-0, and we lost two games to South Carolina to play for a national championship. So uh, this game tonight is huge uh, for the team that wins it. Right, now, you're, now you're on a recruiter. Now you're doing recruiting. You said you were in the portal looking at names. <clears throat> I want to ask you this. McNeese lost Bryson Hudgens to Oklahoma State. They lost their catcher to Miami, Gonzalez. Um, are, are you concerned, as a guy who was on that level just recently as a couple days ago, um, that that level is just becoming a breeding ground and almost like a junior college in itself for college baseball? Well, if I backed up to 2018 when I was at Wichita State, we had 11 guys drafted off of that team. Uh, we were second in the country behind Kentucky who had 12 we had first rounder. We had five guys in the top ten rounds, two in the first two rounds. First rounder Alec Bohm in the third pick, and then a guy named Grayson Janista. I think there's two big leaguers off that draft list that are already up there. But my point is, uh, if you look at Wichita State right now, they've had a coaching change, and I think they have 32 players of their 36 are in the portal yeah. of their team. So if I go back to 2018 with that group, great group of young players that we had and draftable players as juniors, uh, it's been tough to keep those guys with the NIL and the Power Five conferences just working it the way it is. It's kind of like free agency. It's uh, you know you get it's whoever pays you the most or whatnot, biggest scholarship. It's not about 11.7 anymore. It's about uh, you know you have to take care of these kids, you know, even more than just their education. Were you in the transfer portal? Is that what happened? Oklahoma took you from the transfer portal? Yeah, our coach was fired. Uh, our coach was fired at McNeese, let go, and uh, had a chance to go to University of Texas, Oklahoma, and by all the other place was Wichita State with Gene Stevenson. And I chose OU. Yep. 
So there you go. So, yep. you, so you were in the transfer portal before then, before there was a transfer portal. But you, did you have yeah, to sit? It, you didn't have to sit you out, did transfer. you? No, I didn't have to sit out. Back then, you could transfer. Back you know, then, uh, back was, then in college baseball, a lot. And so, as a coach, you know, back then, as a coach, they would go to the Cape Cod League or any summer yeah. league, and they'd watch players as a coach, and you know, get a player to talk to them, get them to transfer from a school to another. So that's what we basically have going on now. Is uh, you know, you have the agents, advisors involved with it. You have the players. You have your you have player on your team talking to a player on his team in the summer. It's a lot of shady stuff that goes on, but it's part of it. So a lot of the old uncle that nobody's heard of showing up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know, the family. The family uncle. But that I think people forget that that for football and basketball, the portal is kind of a new situation. But like baseball, softball, and other sports, you could transfer without sitting out. Back in the day, back be. in our day, yes, back in the day. That's right. You sure could, and nobody else wanted me. Very easy. Nobody else wanted me back in the day, so I had no, to stay where I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> but so now that you're now that you're into this new role, um, do you have to get deep into the NIL money, or do you, do they just pour in money to you because they're getting ready for the SEC at Oklahoma? Yeah, I think it's uh, OU. I mean, it's they're they're trying to prepare for the SEC. I know that we're going to do a $45 million renovation to the stadium, which we need to do to try to catch up to the SEC being in the Big 12. And then with football, anytime you have University of and you have a great football program in the SEC, then, you know, the football is the bell cow of supporting all the other sports. So, you know, the University of Oklahoma, I was, when I was playing there, the head coach was Barry Switzer, and they won a national championship in 1984 or 85 with Jamel Holloway. So, you know, money is uh, – is is there at that university for all sports and NIL is is alive and kicking. Well, I want to ask you one thing before I let you go. Um, the time you were at McNeese, you guys made incredible advances in NIL talk, in stadium facilities, and that right after a hurricane. How hard was that, and how rewarding was that to go from basically the lowest of lows in August of 2020 to today? Um. Really tough, you know, just going through it, moving home a month before the two hurricanes, uh, you know, trying to find a job. Dr. Burkell called me, and then I, I interviewed with Coach Schroyer. Being from here, going to school here, being from southwest Louisiana with all the friendships, helped me get the job with Coach Schroyer. His leadership, uh, one of the most dynamic, fantastic leaders that I've been around in my 30 years of coaching with other coaches, head coaches or whatnot. His vision, his his daily work ethic – uh, it's exhausting. Um, he has put relentless effort into doing all the things that we need to do athletically for our student-athletes to be successful on and off the field. And there's more things coming. Once we get this press box, uh, that's going to be huge for football. Uh, the hiring of Will Wade is great. Uh, you know, the other sports that have been winning, but uh, football and basketball need to get going, and I think they sure will with Coach Goff and Coach Wade. But uh, Coach Sawyer has been incredible to, incredible to me. He's been a dear friend of mine. It was not an easy decision for me to leave him because I trust him 100%. In three years working with him, his word has been solid, and uh, I really respect him so much and the job that he is doing will continue and will even become bigger and better. Todd, you don't work for him anymore. You can you can tell the truth. You don't work for the man no, anymore. No, he <laughs> I mean, I was out of a job coming home, uh, driving a U-Haul with my youngest daughter 
And I told her, uh, Dr. Burkell, our president, called me and asked me if I would have interest, and I had no idea what I was going to do. And Heath Schroyer was the one that made the decision that I would be a good fit for him. And, uh, you know, I'm the first door outside of his office, and he walks in, shuts the door, and I thoroughly have enjoyed it. Thoroughly. All right, Coach, good luck. Congratulations on the new move. Hey, do do my shoes now come with red instead of blue? Yes, they I, will. I still don't know what size you wear. 13, so you 13 wide. Down. 13 wide. Anything 13 wide. 13 wide. Okay. Todd Butler, it. thank you very much. Oklahoma gain is McNeese's loss. We're going to take our next time out here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for LSU Sports and the Houston Astros. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm Jim Gazzillo, back in for Jordy on this Monday afternoon. We're still in hour number one, second half. We've heard a little LSU baseball. We've talked a lot of LSU college baseball. But, James, I want to ask you this. Saints minicamp just ended. And all the talk is all the love for Derek Carr. Are you in love with Derek Carr? Are, are, is, these, is he the savior you want? Is that really the guy you wanted to get? Oh, I mean, it's a lot better of a situation than it was before. As much as I believed in Jameis Winston, because yeah, you were a Winston guy, Derek Carr is a better quarterback. You, you, you uh, always back Jameis. You I always did. said we got our guy already. I still believe Jameis can be a starting quarterback in the league, but Derek Carr is a better starting quarterback. Better than, than Andy Dalton? Oh, of course. I think just about anybody's a better starting quarterback oh, than Andy Dalton. Me. That's just me. I'll take you over Andy Dalton. Wow, that is bad. <laughs> that would be that would be problematic for you. Very problematic. I had enough of the. Do red you rifle. have? Because you, you're a Saints guy. I'm I'm not a Saints guy. You are not. You're a Bears guy. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I'm but excited for. I'm excited. I'm for excited to do. see what the Bears are doing. I'm excited to see a new direction. I'm excited to see changes. I'm excited to see the fact that we actually did something in the draft and actually brought in some players. Now let's see if they don't stink. <laughs> How's that? Let's we'll see if it works out. I it never you never know because of injuries, but the fact that you're moving in the right direction is always I don't like non-change and just say we're going to get better because you never do. You have to make changes. But as a Saints guy, are you a little concerned with the weird apology Derek Carr had recently to Raiders fans and front office for not giving his best for 9 years? I, that to me is a red flag of aren't you supposed to give your best no matter what the situation is? I do find it weird. Weird, yes. Like weird is a good word. I, it's just I, odd. It's just I do find it perplexing. <laughs> yes, thank you. But just kind of seeing how he rolls as a person, I'm not surprised that he would do something like that because he just seems like such a down to earth type of person and wants to just always give you 100% whether it's physical, but why mentally, didn't you then? emotionally. Why didn't you then? And and are we going to hear in 4 years oh, I just I just didn't have it in me to give to New Orleans. Well, I think it's I think it's more of the Raiders culture. 
Like I felt like it was mentally draining to him. Wasn't Dennis Allen a part of the Raiders culture at one time? Well, he got fired like four weeks into okay, so Derek a, Carr's career. He's a short term. So he kind of part he, of the Raiders. He had like culture. Two, he kind of had like two lunch days with him, and that was it. Two lunch days. Okay, he bought so, him lunch once or twice. But it's a little concerning for you to hear the quarterback, a starting quarterback, one who has not won a playoff game, mm-hmm. who I thought played pretty well for the Raiders on a really bad Raiders teams. I don't think Derek Carr was the issue in Oakland or Las Vegas. I think there were many other issues. I think most of them are front office. And he, he's not good enough to elevate you past that point if the rest of your organization and team is that bad and that toxic. But he is a good overall quarterback. I don't think it's necessarily concerning. I wouldn't use that terminology. I would go more of just like that. That's I'm I'm not sure why uh, you're doing that. It was kind of like a raise your eyebrow. Like why? Are why you would apolo- you say it? Why are you apologizing about this? You're with the Saints now. It's why say it? Just say we didn't always give our best. We couldn't. We just couldn't get it done there. There were a lot of factors in place. I was part of the problem. I'm looking for a fresh start. But it's been a lot better than. Oops, my but I bad. Could, you could you could tell he had enough whenever he was crying at post game press conferences. Yeah, okay. Like I, we don't we don't need that either. You you could tell like some he was kind of he was at that boiling point. He, look, Derek Carr has already won Thanksgiving dinners with his brother David. <laughs> He's already won that battle. So now it's all just how much of a chance did David really get? None. Bad <laughs> bad teams all around. Not much of a chance at all. And that, that's that's a lot of being a quarterback is when you go to a really bad team, if the front office isn't A, committed to you, and B, committed to putting pieces around you, you don't have a chance. I don't care how good you are. You, you just don't, you don't have a chance unless somebody puts the pieces around you and says, we're going to stick with you through the bad times. Right, Troy Aikman went 1-13. Right, because even as good as Patrick Mahomes is, He's still in a really good organization. He's yeah. got a really good team built around him. He's got an offense that's built around his skill set. Yeah. So it's like your talent and your gameplay can only take you so far. I always say you flip the picks, and Mitch Trubisky is much more successful in Kansas City than Patrick Mahomes would have been with that Chicago front office. I have no question in my mind that they would have found a way to ruin that talent. And, that's, and it, it is putting the pieces – with him together. And I think the Saints have some decent pieces. You always start with Kamara, but I think they've done a good job of trying to get better and trying to give them a chance in a division that is extremely winnable. So, yeah, this is a – the Saints are a team that could easily win that division. Now, how far they could go in the playoffs, well, the NFC isn't great, but I I do see this as as a big year for them because they have that opportunity. I don't know how long their window is, but this seems like it's one of the last chances. Right, and you feel like even though, say, the Saints go nine and eight, ten and seven, and that's enough yeah. to win the NFC South, which it should. It's it's gonna it's probably gonna it, it should ten and ten and seven does ten and seven absolutely nine and eight. It's like you'll probably get close, but like Atlanta, it's gonna be tiebreakers would would be like eight and nine more likely than not. Yeah, you have the best quarterback in the division, true by far, by far. Because um, you don't know what you got with Desmond Ritter. Everything else is a, everything else is a question mark. Everybody else in that division at quarterback is a huge question mark. Now with it, you if you're going to win the division, you're going to automatically get the four seats. You're gonna you're gonna host a playoff game. Yeah. 
you probably feel good about your chances against the five seed, whoever it is, unless it's just say, like say it's the Cowboys, then maybe not because you never know. They always no. You're going to face the best wild card team, right? Because if but are you are you going to be because the NFC Central or NFC North? I guess it is now NFC North is not going to be much better. No, I, they could easily. You could easily be the three seed. The Vikings. Well, I'm. I'm not totally sure because I think obviously Eagles will be number one. I still feel like the Packers will have a solid year. I think no, the Vi- I think the Packers are gonna be bad. I th- I th- I think the Vikings are gonna definitely take a couple steps back. Yes. Uh, Lions should be better. Should be better. Absolutely, but I I think it's just because I'm a believer in Jordan Love. I don't think it's going to be like he's going to be an Aaron Rodgers great, but I think he'll be a solid piece for them, and they can still go ten and seven. Oh, I think you're ten and seven. I don't think there's a ten and seven team in that division. You don't think so? <laughs> when everyone's going to go like nine and eight, eight nine and nine. eight, eight nine, and somebody's going to go two and fifteen or something. That's that's just the nature of the division. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't see that division going out and winning. Three out of four from the AFC team. I don't see that division going out and winning three out of four from the NFC West or something. No, I, I just I don't see that happening. And I think it's I think it's a bad division. So I think the Saints could. I think the South winner, depending on what they do within their division, could be the three seed. That I don't think you get any higher than the three seed. I think that's going to be the 49ers and the uh, Eagles. But then. Yeah, you're looking at uh, you're looking at some mediocre teams at that point. I mean, I'm but I'm looking at the Packers schedule itself. You play at Chicago Week One. That's got to be a loss to the Packers. <laughs> no, that's gonna that's gonna be a telltale game because if they're if they're good with Jordan Love at that point in time, because you haven't seen Jordan Love, there's panic in the streets of Chicago. You have not seen Jordan. If Love Jordan yet. Love beats the Bears. There's panic in the streets of Chicago because that would be the third straight quarterback that's going to own them. And then <laughs> and then you got at Atlanta. Versus New Orleans, versus Detroit, at Las Vegas. I don't see how, I don't see why they shouldn't go at least four and one in that start. All right, we'll see that. I don't. <laughs> I think three and two is going to be it. But I think I think the Saints will beat them. The Saints are uh, the Saints always. The Saints always start off. They always start tripping. It's like they always why? get a misstep. Why though? They just they they take a few weeks to figure out what they really got. Like what's working and what isn't? Why? I, I don't know. Ask Dennis. <laughs> ask Ask Mickey Loomis. I wish I. Knew. I you would have to ask Mickey Loomis because Dennis Allen hasn't been there long enough. But yeah, that that is, like it's you know they they can't they're not going to be good enough. It's they're kind of feeling out the season. Like okay, how are we feeling? Is this working? Is this? So not? you're saying there are boxes that blows the first three rounds. The first the first three four weeks of the season. September is never usually great for the Saints historically as of late. But that's why I think they would go for the Packers would go four and one. They'd start off hot, they'd kind of tinker off in the middle of the season, but they still got some solid matchups. Well, like I said, is if they if they go four and one and beat the Bears, there will be panic in Chicago. You can't you can't you lost to Brett Favre, who was a nobody. Aaron Rodgers sat for five years and you lose to him. That's now, the thing. Jordan, yeah, you can't go to you can't. Jordan Love sat Jordan Love sat for three years just like Rodgers. You can't. You can't. You can't. That that's just. That would we'd have to get out of the division. <laughs> we'd have to beg to go to the AFC. Uh, you got you can't you can't I can't go through ten more years, twelve more years, of, of being owned by a Packer quarterback. I can't. I'll be done. I'll be done. I, I'll be too old. And it would be in Chicago, no less. 
I won't. Uh, I'll be. That'll be the time when I won't be able to remember the good old days of McMahon, and and when we actually beat Packer quarterbacks in the fridge and Don Mankowski. We beat Don Mankowski, <laughs> <laughs> and guys like that. No, but I, this to me, this is D- Derek Carr went to the perfect situation for him to kind of slip in and say, "I'm actually pretty good." Solid offense, really good defense, terrible in a, division in a weak division. Ten and seven, unless a whole bunch of more injuries like we've seen the last couple of years happens. Well, his, his receivers have to stay healthy. Yeah, but even I say even if Mike goes down and only plays half the year. I was going to be nice and not mention him by name, but yes. No, I will, I will. Goes down. I am totally fine mentioning Michael Thomas. If he goes down with another injury for another year, you think they have enough depth now? Chris Olave will have played another year. This will be a second year in. I really like what Rashid Shahid's doing. I, I'm a really. Well, if you talk about you talk about their camp, everybody's just saying they had a great camp. Yeah, but it's like even what you saw last year. I think even then it still feels good. And At Perry, I think give him some time. He's going to be a really good receiver for the Saints. How how, how much into a one and four start would you give Dennis Allen as far as rope? <laughs> the rope, the rope certainly tightens. Matt's been calling for his head since last year. A lot of people have been, yes. I and, which, I, and I get that, which which is fair. But I kind of look at it the same thing with college when it comes to a new coach. It's like I would, I would give them at least a year and a half, unless the first year was just absolutely. So you don't terrible. give him the whole this whole year. If you, he goes one and eight, you're, you're if, getting rid of. Him. If we're at week twelve. In your three and nine, you're pulling the trigger. You can get out. <laughs> you can get out. You can, you can, you can go. I'm done with you. All right. So, so you got him on a relatively warm seat to start the year. Yeah, it's a little warm. All right. We're gonna take our third time out of the afternoon. Jim Gazzola in for Jordy Hoberg on 103.7 Lafayette 104. Like Charles, the game. This You're- is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Want to take your late out for a nice dinner, but you're low on cash? Not to worry. The game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. As a member of Awards Club, you will have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse and a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, both located at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. You can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jim Dillon for Jordy. Last couple minutes on our first hour of two on the Jordy Hoberg Show. The Blonde Bomber taking the day off. The gray old man is in, I guess, right now. Uh, okay, we had golf. I, I just want to really quickly say this about golf. Uh, we had a U.S. Open yesterday. It was the first tournament, I guess, overall, but really the first major, definitely, since the Live and PGA got back together or merged or whatever. Um 
whatever they're going to do. That had to be a strange relationship because you called them, the PGA called the Live Tour everything under the books. All of your star players that stayed lost all this money to stay with you. And now you just kind of welcome the guys back in with the Brinks truck that they earned for one year. If you want to call me all these names and give me all that money and then you end up you end up going with the same people. It's like, what did you accomplish? What were you standing for? And don't you look just as bad letting them in a year later as they did leaving? At least they had a reason to leave. It was money. You brought them back in when you said it wasn't about the money when obviously it is the money. James, is it is it me or is that the most hypocritical thing you've ever seen? No, it is definitely wild since you were so strong on this one so stand strong. and you refused to move. And then out of the blue, one Monday morning, hey, we're gonna wor- we're gonna work with them. We'll take the check. Yeah, well, we is realize we we realize we don't make as much as them. Can you just make that direct deposit? And then the PGA president isn't there. Now, if you're sick, okay, but it is, uh, that 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 looks conspiracy like like I've ever never seen. In our next half hour, Koki Riley from the Daily Advertiser will be in from LSU who'll be on the phone to tell us about LSU tonight against Wake Forest. I think it's the biggest game of the baseball season. We'll find out what he thinks of it. Also, winner right now it's Tennessee 4, Stanford 4 in the middle of the 5th in an elimination game. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back to this Monday afternoon, hour number two of the Jordy Hoberg Show. I'm Jim Gazzola, subbing in for Jordy. It is an interesting Monday, LSU baseball at the bottom of the hour with Koki Riley. We'll talk about all their chances for a national championship and how much tonight's game matters. And you can hear it live on the game tonight at 6 p.m. Biggest game of the year probably has huge ties as far as implications for the rest of this tournament. You heard Todd Butler earlier, 19 of the 22 last champions have started 2-0. This is a big deal tonight against probably the two best teams in the country, I think. Uh, I Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think they're the two best teams in the country. All right, we're going to talk a little NBA now. If you missed the NBA Finals, you weren't alone. They were not well watched. It was Denver and Miami. There were no Celtics. There were no Lakers. There was no LeBron. There was basically a group of guys that play very good basketball but don't get the hype of everybody else. Did you enjoy that series, though? Do you like the direction of the league, which is going more European than ever before? And do you like the fact that a team like Denver can come in and win a championship when the big-name powerhouses don't even get to the finals like the Lakers and LeBron? Is that good for basketball? Is it bad for basketball? My take is the NBA only does well when the power teams win or the power individuals win. 
as a Bulls fan, I fully realized the Bulls were never a power team. They were just the one individual that hogged the market and the spotlight, and we rode that to six titles. But we're not going to win one again unless Michael Jordan's grandson comes along at some point in time. So I can accept that. I can also accept the fact that that's when we mattered. We don't matter now. I'm not sure the rest of the NBA understands that, but Denver's a nice story. In the world of sports, it's an interesting story for a city that had never won an NBA title, has a foreign player who's a very good basketball player, who seems, at least when he talks, that basketball isn't the only thing in his life, which I like. He was worried about getting home instead of the the parade. Uh, you take that away from some of the other players in the league that really believed their own hype and their own social media. So I, I like that direction, but nobody watched. Nobody followed the game. James, is that a concern for you? Are you? What is the NBA now that Denver has won a championship in five games? I don't. I'm not necessarily concerned about it. I actually really enjoyed the finals, mainly because I just want to see the Heat lose. <laughs> what? What do you got against the Heat? It's they beat the Celtics. Yeah, that's now that's that's a story that needs to be talked about because what are the Celtics going to do? What are your oh. Celtics going to do? Because it would appear once they got to Game Seven, they fought all the way back to Game Seven to have it in Boston. Mm-hmm. to have all the momentum, mm-hmm. and then just absolutely stink to start. How, yeah. That is that is one of the more unexplainable things. Yeah, it's it's very odd. I wish it didn't happen, but, I mean, to be fair, I don't even think they should have gotten to a Game 7 because they didn't play well to begin with. They did not play. The first three games, they were terrible. They first were ter- four games, they were terrible. Game 3, it just... At that point, I told myself, if they win that series and go to the finals, I'm not going to watch a lick of the rest of that series and because because of how bad they have played. And it's so weird because for as good as Miami played in that Boston series, mm-hmm. they equally stunk it up yeah, against were- the Nuggets. It was like it was so weird because Jimmy Butler was so willing to attack and get to the paint yeah. and draw fouls. But you saw him so many times. He would drive. And then he would pick up his dribble and be like, oh no, like a fifth grader just starting basketball. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, You take it. It's like... Completely different player. And it's weird because I don't don't really remember this from Michael Jordan because Jimmy Butler is like pretty much Jimmy Butler's son that no one talks... uh, A lot of NBA fans talk about. But floater game. I've, I don't think I've ever seen Jimmy Butler shoot a floater in my life. No. It's like there would have been opportunities, I felt like, because it's like you're not going to be able to go under or necessarily draw a foul on Jokic or Aaron Gordon. No. But you can finish over the top and get like a floater or a hook shot. There was but he, not, doesn't really, he doesn't really have those in his game. There, and he didn't, he didn't respond very well, and he didn't. He went to the he, he got a, drew a lot of fouls up until the finals, and then it seems like his game kind of lost some aggression. And he still got to the free throw line a good bit. Like it's not like he went no. from ten free throws a game to three. Like he was still getting a lot of free throws. 
but his shooting wasn't as good. He wasn't attacking or like taking it himself as much. He looked tired. And he he just wasn't able to do it. And the points that he did score weren't as significant. So where where do you, where do you go from here in the NBA? Do you really think the Denver Nuggets are, are a dynasty? I don't. Oh, I'd have to see them get more championships. But I But is I that think, the league now? Is this is this what the league looks like? I feel like the league should and is starting to move towards more of a two-man game. Yeah. Instead of instead of trying the the crazy like ooh we love having a big three or a big four with like what you saw with the with Golden the, State with or Golden yeah. State yeah. or like what you saw yeah. with Miami and stuff. It's like you have two really really good players like top two top 25 30 players. Yeah. And then you just have really good role players really good that role help players, you. Yeah, that can do They're, different things. That can do different things and, and have help a bench. you the rest of the way. And they have Absolutely. a bench. And that's kind of the problem with what you see with the Suns because it feels like they're still trying to do something from four years ago. Yeah, they're 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 playing a game that doesn't exist anymore. Like you're you're kind of moving on. You're looking for two guys well, that you can rely I, on. Way, that's night I think in your Celtics. Out. That's kind of your Celtics. They they don't look like they're settled on two guys. They have a three guy rotation, three guy star. Um, I mean, the, Marcus the Lake, Marcus Smart's really like kind of out there. It's just you never really see Rob enough because they always went to Al Horford so much. But I feel like you need to move on from Al. And the Lakers have only one and a half. <laughs> one one guy doesn't always show up, and the other one is on his last few legs. Yes, yes, he is. Just trying to hang in there until his son can play with him. All right. So does that bode well for your Pelicans or not well for the Pelicans? Because the Pelicans looked like they were going to a big three. They never got the big three together. Where are they at? Are are they a part of the NBA? Where are they at? That's kind of my, my take with them is where are they at and where can they go moving forward? All right, right now we got Ralph on the phone. Ralph, are you there? Hey, Jim. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, man. How's it going? All right. Good. What, what do you got um, for us? Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to go back to the Saints for a second, if, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so, you know, first of all, with Derek Carr, I, I think it was just kind of one of those uh, poorly uh, worded things because, as James alluded to, he's just the kind of dude that's going to throw himself under the bus um, and, and take all the blame. I, I think, obviously, what he – should have said was I gave him my all with the Raiders. You know, I sorry it didn't work out. You know, best of luck to them in the future. Enjoy my time there. Yeah. That sort of thing. Well, um, the thing the thing about it was nobody know, was I, pointing the finger at him though. Nobody yeah, really said it was I, his problem I, because I, they I know that was know, a false you know, team. You know, maybe he just hadn't got a chance to go to confession that week or something. <laughs> I'm not all sure. Right. You know, <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> but uh, as far as the the, the team this year. Um, you know, I'm, I've been a lifelong fan since the, the opening kickoff. And, and uh, so, you know, obviously last year was a huge disappointment, um, uh, you know, by the last couple of years, uh, honestly. But uh, I have a lot of reservations and still serious questions about Dennis Allen's, you know, ability. And, and it's yeah. not so much last year, but, you know, there was a lot of things that, factor in as always with injuries missed field goals you know really close games should have been won things like that but you know you you can't ignore the Raider days either you know and I just no he's kind of one of those guys that I think 
just maybe a really good defensive coordinator, but not head coaching material, you know, and, and it's, it's fine. That, that happened a bunch of times. Wade, Wade Phillips is a prime example, you know, great defensive coordinator, terrible head coach, you know, but Josh McDaniels as well. The, well, well, let me ask you this, yeah, Ralph. Let me ask you this, Ralph. Let me ask you this. Are, yeah. are you of the opinion that defensive coordinators in the day's game are going to struggle more than anything else. Just in the game itself, we see Belichick is struggling now. Other defensive guys are struggling because the game is so offensive-oriented. Would you rather see the Saints just go out and get an offensive guy? Well, uh, you know, I was all for the continuity you know, aspect of sure. this uh, going in. Uh, I still think a defensive guy can, can – you know, I think the perfect example of that is, you know, when you, you – when you, Ed Orgeron finally at some point realized with LSU that he couldn't do everything. And, and I'm not saying he was a great coach by any means because it fell apart at the end. But when they did win the national championship, he just kind of let both coordinators do their thing sure. and just became a head coach, you know. And, and as long as Dennis Allen still tries to call the plays on, on the sideline and be the defensive coordinator, I do think that's a distraction and, and a problem, you know. So, yeah, I would like to, to see this, you know. But you want him to be the honestly, CEO. Yeah, okay. I, obviously I prefer Sean Payton, you know, again, or, or uh, Andy Reid or, you know, someone like that um, that's an offensive mind. Sure. I, I, and, and, look, I'm not going to be honest with you. The other thing that I really worry about I, is, you know, what is Pete Carmichael's real ability to call to call a game? And I, I know theoretically when Sean Payton was suspended, he was calling, you know, uh, yeah, Sean Payton may have been calling him in, in, in the middle of the night and installing game plans. You know, I, I, I was really very unimpressed with the adjustments, the the formations, the lack of motion, the lack. And look, maybe some of that was Andy Dalton not checking off at the line of scrimmage, not making audible, not doing. You know, I don't sure. know. I mean, I'm not in that locker room, and I'm not gonna. It we'll see. You know, but I still have some reservations about that, but. As far as the team itself, real quick, because I know I've kind of been rambling, but I just want to tell you my concerns are, number one, offensive line, Penning has to come back healthy and has to establish himself as a dominant force you know, on the, on the left tackle. And then Ruiz needs to come back healthy off that Liz Frank injury as well and continue to progress where he was. Because, the, you know, regardless of what the rest of the team does, offensive and defensive line is going to – ultimately win the majority of ball games that's you know it's no fallacy the games are one of the trenches yeah. and so on the offensive side that's what i want to see on the defensive side i want to see whether the free agent signings we did with with uh colin saunders and um nathan shepherd as well as drafting brian breezy does that shore up the interior of the line and then the big question mark is what do we do on the outside you know we've been kind of filling that rotation uh, by committee. Uh, uh, Davenport, when he was healthy, could be a beast at times. Does Foskey warrant a second-round pick? Do we just do we establish ourselves uh, on that side of the ball? And, you know, does Father Time catch up with Cam Jordan? I hope not. You know, yeah. he has at least another season or, or two. But I think those are the biggest things going in. And then, obviously, health, you know, everywhere. I mean, you, yeah. you just – you know, if, if you could tell me with a crystal ball, Mike Thomas is going to come back and play even 
10, 10 games this season, I'd be as optimistic as, as all <laughs> James get out, said, James you know? says it doesn't matter. He, he has confidence in the other guys. I feel like they'd still yeah, be a I, solid he, group. You, James seems to be the guy that expects Michael Thomas not to be there. <laughs> you kind of have to well, at this point. I, I'm, I'm the same way, honestly. <laughs> you know, uh, I, 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 I enjoy these little Twitter things that come up. You know, it says, uh, right now, um, um, it, it, look at your phone percentage. And tell me, and, and that's the percentage of cha- the chance that Zion Williamson will come back next year for the Pelicans. And my phone was fully charged, you know. And I said, well, I have an older model. Because, so, so my phone showed the percentage of, of a, ch- a chance that he won't play half the season, and that's 100%, you know. So <laughs> I'm with James with Michael Thomas, you know. Uh. If it happens, great. But, man, you know, I'm not expecting it to. So, We'll, well, you know, as, as Jordy Hallberg would say, we shall see. We shall we see. We shall see. All <laughs> right, Ralph, thanks for your time. Yeah, it's, Enjoy the Chamber of Commerce Day. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's – I think that's a lot of Saints fans are, after the last couple of years, they want to see what actually appears to be on the field more often than not. How's that, James? Is that a fair, fair statement for you? Yeah, it's a pretty let's fair see, let's see. Let's see who actually plays in a division it, that we can win. Because it's the same thing with Peyton Turner. Like, same. Ralph didn't get to that point yet, but it was like overall, it was like with health. But you don't know necessarily what you got with no Peyton Turner yet. Like you hope you've seen him make like a play here or there in the couple of games that he has played, but it's like, can he build that into even a, no? You you hope into eight, nine, ten games. You hope he is what he looks like when healthy. But how often is he going to be healthy? Right. Going to take a timeout, first time out of the second hour here on the Jordy Horberg Show. I'm Jim Gazzola in for Jordy. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette, 104 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers tonight against Wake Forest. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. That's right, Jim. The LSU Tigers are going to be taking on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in a winner's bracket game tonight at the College World Series. Pre-game is going to begin at 5.30 with first pitch at 6 p.m. And all the action can be brought to you here on the game by the following sponsors. Artco Equipment. Our Small Family Supply, Bubba Ostelet, Toyota Ford, Cypress Bayou Casino, Iggy Castile State Farm, Attorney Paul Brown, The Bank, Service Chevrolet Cadillac, Beal and Hernandez, and Tibbs Trailers. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jim Gazzola in for Jordy on this second hour here on the Jordy Hoberg Show on this Monday afternoon. Cokie Riley will be calling in from Omaha, Nebraska, where LSU will take on number one Wake Forest in a massive game tonight at the College World Series. It will be probably the most interesting game of the year, to say the least. And not so interesting baseball. (laughs) How's that? Uh, the Astros are suddenly struggling with injuries and swept by the suddenly, shockingly, amazingly, surprisingly hot Cincinnati Reds who brought up a bunch of minor leaguers and have just gone nuts with winning eight games in a row, just swept the Astros, came from behind in two of the three games in Houston. There has to be some concern based on 
the injuries now with Altuve out again, with Alvarez out, that you're starting to lose pieces that you cannot replace. And the Astros are starting to realize Texas isn't going away. So now the Astros have to turn their attention to what's behind them when it comes to wild card, almost as much as looking forward. And it's an interesting baseball season because Texas isn't first. The Reds are a half game out. The Pirates are within a game. Um, Teams that we never thought. The Yankees looked dead last night getting swept by the Red Sox in a doubleheader. I would imagine you're going to see some major managerial changes here as some of the power teams start figuring out they're not making a run. Are the Astros, in your mind, James, able to make a run? As they currently stand right now. They've definitely hit a rough, rough patch right now, and I think if they get can get healthy, and that's kind of like optimistic Astros fan talking right now. Like if you can get healthy, optimistic like Astro fan, yes, you can you can definitely keep yourself alive and give yourself a chance. But I mean, it almost kind of feels like was that just a victim of the moment of the Reds just them being really hot and everyone's they're taking everyone's names at the moment. Well, that's that's what makes this weird because in 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 five weeks you have the trade deadline. In five weeks, we could have a basically flipped group of buyers and sellers from ever before. Are the Pirates really buyers? <laughs> are, are we at a point where the Pirates are buyers and the Yankees are sellers? Is that possible? The Red Sox are sellers, but the Reds are buyers? And, and <laughs> I don't... I don't think anybody anticipated that. So when you're looking at who you can buy and who you can sell, you targeted certain teams that are now no longer going to be selling their young players or their stars to get more young players because they now feel they're in the race. And the Astros, it seems to me, needs to make a move on deadline. Whether it get a pitcher, whether it get somebody flashy to play the outfield, they look like they need something to kickstart their season. Where you normally go to get that, Looks like it's dried up. And that that's what makes this fascinating for me is who is actually a buyer and who is actually a seller. And you would have thought, oh, the Angels are probably going to sell at some point because it's yeah. like, how much longer can they have their little MVPs? How much yeah. longer can they have Shohei and Mike Trout? And well, now they're second in the AO West ahead yeah. of the Astros, winning seven of the last 10. So it's like, they might be buyers. All of a like, sudden, they become buyers. Like, maybe they'll just bite the bull and be like, let's have one less ride with these two and see what we can get. See how far we can go. Yeah, and then you then you make your decision on Otani based on what you do. You give him one. He'd be an awful lot to give up because he is – I know he's going to be an awfully expensive guy, but he's your number one pitcher and your number one offensive guy. <laughs> that That – you should get paid a lot of money if you're going to do that for a baseball team. So that, so where does that plug in the Astros? Where does that plug in all these other teams that thought, hey, we can we could probably we got some pieces in the minor leagues we can give out. We could probably make a deal. The deals that you thought you were making, the Pittsburghs aren't going to make that deal. <laughs> that you thought they were going to make those deals. The Mets. What are the Mets? What are the what happened to the Phillies? Are they going to make a deal and try try to add on payroll, even though they don't look like they can? Or are they going to become sellers? It's 
it's a problem I've never seen because I've never seen the script flipped this much. I mean, the Marlins are in better shape to me than the than the Mets. I could see the Marlins making a run more than the Mets right now. And I I, I never would have thought, except for Oakland, everybody's going to go say, okay, just take, you know, pick the low-hanging fruit from the A's and give them nothing back because nobody cares about them anyway. Other than that, I don't know who's going to do what. I, I'm, I'm thoroughly confused with baseball. I'm thoroughly confused with the Astros and what they should do based on what they have and where they're at. But I think the next five weeks is going to be a fascinating time to see who makes a run and then who decides I'm going to be sellers. Now, the Cubs sellers? Cubs have, a, Cubs have four or five pieces that would be great for the Astros, including like Marcus Stroman, um, maybe a wisdom for some power. Cody Bellinger is probably going to go somewhere. But they just came off winning six, six or seven. And in that division – Suddenly they're in the race. So why not, with some young pieces, why not give up one of your one or two young pieces and make a run this year? It's just, it's an it's an intriguing time where I think the Astros thought we could get a lot of pieces to where they're now, and we might have to be very selective because there's not going to be those pieces there. And you're also waiting because you don't know if you want to necessarily buy if the guys that are injured are going to be coming right back. Yeah, I mean that. that where, where, where do you have these? The Marcus Stroman, I think, would help you no matter what. So he would be a guy I would say, okay, go. If the Met, if the Yankees wanted to go out and say, I'm going to go for Cody Bellinger, they're always going to have a spot for a left-handed bat in that lineup. But the rest, you're not going to take a second baseman if you think Altuve is coming back. <laughs> so I, it's, I don't know what the Astros do. They're kind of in a pickle right now. So. You- I don't know what you do. I, I don't. I don't know if they have enough arms in their farm system to, to do it. You're also not even halfway into the season. No, that's no. The, that's the thing. Is like you don't want to sell already, and it's like you don't want to go too far of being like I need to buy. No, if if you're like you're not even on that last stretch of the season. No, and I don't think because of the expanded playoffs, you're not going to be not. You're not going to know in five weeks much more than you're going to know now. You're going to have to make a decision based on how you feel. And it, it cuz somebody asked me about the White Sox and I, and I said this, they're going to be in such a bad division that they're going to still be in the race. But if I look at them, I don't think they're a playoff team. <laughs> so my heart's saying go for it, and my mind's saying, "Heck, give up on it. <laughs> Let's start over again." So, Houston Astros, they will be <sighs> it's going to be an interesting time for them in the next couple of weeks. So when we come back, Cokie Riley from the Daily Advertiser will join us from Omaha, Nebraska. See if he did any jello shots himself, I guess, and added to that LSU uh, landslide of jello shot victories. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the those Houston Astros and tonight's LSU Tigers. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Jim Gazzotto back for Jordy on this Monday. Final half hour. Migas and Mesh at the top of the hour. 
How exciting is that for everybody? Maybe uh, Miguez will talk about his haircuts. <laughs> Seems to be talking about his haircuts today and uh, how often he gets them, a little bit more often than most of us, I would imagine. Uh, <laughs> Koki Riley is up next uh, from Omaha, the Daily Advertiser. Uh, Koki, how you doing? He's, oh, is he there? Oh, he's not there yet. So we're going to have Koki Riley here in a matter of minutes on the Daily Advertiser. Um, he's going to be talking about the LSU Tigers tonight. Koki, are you there now? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing? Yeah, How's Omaha treating you? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Have you have you enjoyed the Rocco Jello shot challenge? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm working on a story about that right now, and uh, uh, it's, it's it's going pretty well. And uh, yeah, I haven't tried the Jello shot, so I don't want to spoil too much of my thoughts in the story. But that's all right. Um, at least one thumbs up for me. So, but you will say that as a as a Louisiana, you are proud of the LSU performance. How's that? Um, I'm not from Louisiana, but uh, I think LSU fans should definitely be proud of their performance in terms <laughs> of uh, how they're really showing up here and uh, uh, honestly just dominating the competition. I mean, there was really a doubt that they were going to win the competition. It's just a matter of can they beat the record that Ole Miss set and. Uh, looks like looks like that's going to happen. They only need what six thousand more shots, which sounds like a lot, but that really isn't because it's twelve thousand down. No, so, especially especially um, since they're going to be yeah. there a while. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's get to the game tonight. I I look at it as the clear favorite for the national title comes out of if the, who wins this game. How important is that? Because you don't to set up the rest of your rotation the rest of this tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this game is absolutely critical for LSU. And um, for part of the reasons that you said, just because these two teams are at least arguably the top two teams in the country right now, um, I'd say I put Florida in that bucket with LSU and uh, Wake Forest. I think those three teams are the three best teams here. And if anyone else won the title outside of those three, I'd be pretty surprised. Um, so the LSU needs to win this game, especially given just their rotation and their pitching situation. Uh, they they can't really afford to uh, head into this one. They can't really afford to lose this game because then you have to win on Wednesday. Then you have to win on then you have to win on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, yeah. three in a row um, to get to the College World Series final. And I don't think this team has the pitching depth to do that. Yeah, and you're only, you then you would also have to use schemes in one of those games. The key here is to try to get through three, so you have. Paul Skeen's ready for game one of the championship series, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, I mean, that's the dream uh, scenario. Yeah, that is the dream scenario. If you, I mean, if you can win this game, you, you get tomorrow off, and then you have Wednesday and Thursday to win one, to win once. And um, granted, LSU's number three starter has had number three starter problems the whole year, yeah. but I think their pitching has been a little bit better. Um, so far this postseason, and, and I think they can sort of lean on that and have kind of a quasi bullpen game uh, for that third game if they win this game, of yeah. course. So, and they uh, have, I think they really, really important. The last couple of weeks, their bullpen has gotten better, especially in big moments, hasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look at a guy like Gavin Gutierrez. I know he gave up the home run um, the other night, but he's been very key for them out of the bullpen. Riley Cooper's been lights out for about a month. Um, he really just looks down. He, looks, you know, he really goes through the bullpen, and there's a lot of guys that have just improved and 
um, are just reliable, become reliable arms for them. I mean, Nate Ackenhausen, Griffin Herring, both left-handed relievers. Uh, this team really has three left-handed relievers that they can lean on, um, which is kind of a rarity. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I really do think that this bullpen has gotten to the point where you can go through a, a, you can go through a college World Series as long as you keep on winning games. Obviously, <laughs> that's but like you know, if, if they stay in the winners bracket, they have the bullpen to win games. That's basically just what I'm saying. If they go to the losers bracket, then I don't think they have the juice to get through that because then you have to rely on someone like, for example, Christian Little or Blake Money to get to give you a bunch of innings in one of those games with your season on the line. And uh, it's hard to bet bet on LSU if something if they have to be thrown to a situation like that um, if they lose this game. A lot of people are expecting offense tonight. Uh, are you expecting an offensive uh, show from both teams? And LSU has had some trouble catching the baseball at times. Have they improved enough defensively to get through this week? Um, I, I think defensively they're fine. Uh, I, I don't think it's a, a huge issue for this team. I think uh, I think the one error they had the other night with Jordan Thompson, that was a pretty tough play. Maybe he didn't read it perfectly, but – um, it didn't end up killing them much at the end. I think it was in the ninth inning. They were already up by a good bit. Um, and th- that's just with the defense. And, and I think offensively with both of these teams, Wake Forest and LSU, uh, I-, I think it's going to be like a median scoring game, maybe even a l- – and I kind of lean toward it being more of a low-scoring game than a high-scoring game just because uh, I-, I-, I think Ty Floyd's built pretty well for this ballpark. Uh, a lot of he's a fly ball pitcher, throws a lot of high fastballs, and this is a park that keeps a lot of fly balls inside the ballpark. It's a big ballpark with the wind batting down a lot of a lot of deep fly balls, um, and I think that's going to help him. And and I think Wake Forest is a team that hits a lot of fly balls, so that kind of plays into his strength as well. Uh, so I, I I think he'll actually I think he'll definitely survive against this. I think he will. Maybe not definitely, but I think he will survive uh, against this Wake Forest offense. And then on the flip side. I mean, LSU has one of the best offenses in the country, but Wake Forest has probably the best pitching staff in the country. So that's just going to be a really, uh, you know, mono mono matchup. And it's going to be really interesting to see which side wins out. Uh, if LSU side, if LSU is able to hit Wake Forest pitching without much of an issue, then I think they're going to win this game almost no matter what. Um, but if if it's if it's more of an close to an even draw, which is kind of what I expect it to be. Then I think we're in for a great game, and I think something around the lines of four, five to four, six to five, something like that, like a median scoring game is what we're going to get because I'm just really interested to see what this match is going to look like. Cokie Riley is with us from Omaha, Nebraska, where he's covering the LSU Wake Forest game tonight. Right now, Tennessee and Stanford are tied four four, I believe, in the seventh. LSU's offense, best in the nation, one through nine. I don't think there's any question about that. Is there somebody besides Dylan Cruz you're looking for to be kind of an X factor with big hits the next couple of games? Um, I, I think that kind of the beauty with LSU's lineup, and you mentioned it briefly, is that really one through nine, I think all these guys can contribute. Uh, even a guy like Josh Pearson, uh, you have at least some faith in getting a hit because he was one of the better hitters at the end of last season and has come on toward the end of this year. So I, I really think you can pick anyone, and, and they can come up big for this team. I Brayden Joubert, we saw him against Tennessee yeah. in the first game for LSU. He played extremely well, had three hits, was a single away from the cycle. Um, and, and he bats, what, six, seven in this order? Yeah. Uh, Jordan Thompson batting eighth. He's batted clean up at times this season. You're going to look down the line with this order, and it, it's really hard to pick one because, every, because all 
of the other eight guys could be eligible for the spot. I mean, Hayden Dravinsky, what he has, 10 home runs and less than 30 starts, something yeah. like something crazy like that. So uh, it's, this is just such a deep order. And when they're clicking like they were against Tennessee, and I think they hit the ball better than their six runs suggested they did, uh, they're really something to beat. Yeah, that, that's one of the big things is that this is a lineup that as it turns over, it's really hard to pitch against when you get see them two, three times, especially the third time around. Uh, that's where I, I think Wake Forest has never seen a lineup like this consistently. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how their their pitching staff handles that as much as anything. LSU has been number one most of the year. Wake Forest is now number one. Are they looking? Is LSU looking forward to this opportunity of kind of seeing the team that took over the number one spot and making a making a point? I don't know if they look at it exactly like that. Um, I think it's more of the traditional, you know, we the biggest game of the year, doesn't matter who we're playing anyway, sort of approach. And um, I think from just a pure team perspective, that's what it is. But I'm bringing from a media perspective, I mean, of course, this, this is I mean, this game sort of writes itself, right? I mean, yeah. Number one versus the former number one versus number one. Um, the only two teams in the country that have been number one this season, uh, it's just, and two teams that have very different styles. I mean, one team has gotten here based off the pitching, based off a team ERA that, is, that I believe is around 2.5, which is absolutely crazy, uh, in Wake Forest, and a team that has gotten here with its offense in LSU and has maybe probably the best probably the best lineup in the country. So uh, it's it's just such a fascinating matchup with two teams that are very different, which is very which is also different from a potential LSU Florida matchup or a where both teams I think are pretty similar in the way they're constructed with stars in their lineup. Um, some good pitchers, but not a ton of depth. And uh, I, I think it, I, I think that matchup would be really interesting if we saw it in the final. But but at least for now, um, between LSU and Wake Forest, I think the contrasting styles are, are kind of what makes this matchup so intriguing. Is there still pressure on LSU, even though they're there to win this thing? Because uh, it seems like everybody talks about it's great that they go there, but this is a program that is expected to win. Do they feel the pressure, or are they not concerned with that? Um, I think there was more pressure on them to getting here, and I think now that they've been here, they don't. It to me, it doesn't really feel like there's a ton of pressure that they're putting on themselves necessarily. And to be honest, I don't know if they lose this game and they lose one of the next uh, potential three games before the college, a potential College World Series final, if they lose twice for the next three or four days. I, I don't think it's a failed season either. I mean, o- Omaha is unpredictable. You never know who you're gonna who you're gonna face, um, who's gonna show up on one day. It's such a small sample size. It's such a crazy tournament that it, it's it, sometimes these things are determined on you know virtual coin flips. So it, it's hard to really you know blame L- blame LSU or blame Jay Johnson if they don't win this, this whole entire thing. Um, again, it's only year two in his regime. It's not like he's, it, this is the third time he's been to the College World Series. I think Jay Johnson's proven himself to be a, a College World Series caliber head coach already. And uh, I, yeah, I don't think winning the whole thing is you know do or die for him. You know, if we're if we're here, you know, five ten years down the line, and they've been here three or four times and they haven't won it yet, then maybe we can have that conversation. But I think for now. Uh, I think this team and I think these fans should just enjoy being here for the first time since 2017. Is is Oral Roberts the most fun story there, or is it, it being talked about a lot because of that they've kind of broken through this ceiling here? Or are they at least interesting to watch? Um, yeah, no, they, they've been they've been a really fun story. They're really the only true underdog in this tournament. 
Um, usually there are a lot of underdogs that get here to the College World Series and took a team like Ole Miss Tech last year. Yeah. That was the last team into the tournament and won the whole thing. Um, but this year, you look at it, just a lot of favorites, right? Virginia, um, they were they were one of the top ten teams in the country heading into the season. Uh, Stanford was a national seed. LSU, of course. Wake Forest, of course. Florida, of course. Even TCU. Which kind of had to, uh, which kind of had to get hot at the very end of the year to put themselves in a decent spot. Uh, still started off the year as a ranked team, one of the top teams in the country. So, and then Tennessee, they started years number two team in the country. So, like, I, I just look at you look at this field, and Oral Roberts is really the only, uh, it, it's the only team that you look at and you're like, oh wow, I can't believe they're here. And uh, they just certainly made the most of them. I mean, they already beat TCU once, and they almost beat Florida. So. Uh, I, I think they definitely showed that they belong, and and I did think it was kind of interesting. Heading into this tournament, they were top five in the country in runs scored and runs allowed. Um, <laughs> and one of the very few, one of the, one of five teams in the country that are in that elite elite echelon of uh, runs scored and runs allowed. And I know that was against easier competition heading into this NCAA tournament, but it kind of showed you that this was a week four team that got week number four seed team that got hot. They're just good, so. Uh, I you just gotta give you have a, gotta give a lot of respect to that team for sure. No, that's uh, like I said, they, they're kind of a fun story because you don't know what to expect from them. Uh, let me, let me leave you with this one one question for you, and then we'll let you go. Is are you are you expecting a Florida LSU showdown in the finals? It's hard to say expect. <laughs> Because I think this Wake Forest and LSU game is is about as close to a coin flip as you can get, uh, for many of the reasons that I've already talked about. Uh, and I, but I do think whoever wins this game uh, will be in, in a very, very, very strong spot to make the yeah. final. Um, and I, I just think I think Wake Forest is better built to potentially come back and win three in a row, and th- to win three games in three days. But. Um, Either way, it's hard to beat LSU in that lineup, especially when they have that much of an upper hand in terms of rest, in terms of yeah. all that sort of all that sort of all those sort of benefits. So, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think this game. If I had to, if I was a betting man, I'd say this game would be the game that kind of determines whether we whether we get that LSU Florida rematch in the final. I will enjoy the game, Cookie. All right, thanks so much for having me on. All right, thanks. Koki Riley from the Advertiser in Omaha with LSU. When we come back, we'll finish up on for <clears throat> Jordy on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your host for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The community is invited to join the Bayou Vermilion District's Vermilionville as they celebrate their annual Acadian Culture Day on Sunday, August 15th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The annual event will feature live music, a parade, art displays, cooking, accordion construction, and repair wood carvings, open heart, co- open hearth cooking, and other demonstrations. Admission is free. For more information, go to Acadiana Culture Day. Call one three three seven two three three forty seventy seven. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. 
Final minutes of this Chamber of Commerce Monday. Jim Gazzola for Jordy Holberg. Everybody wants to know baseball, baseball, baseball in the College World Series. Tennessee has taken a 6-4 lead on Stanford in the eighth inning in a win-or-go-home elimination game. The loser is done, or as they say in Omaha, they've gone two in barbecue. And the winner will take on the loser of tonight's game between number one Wake Forest and previous number one LSU in a showdown game. Those two will meet tomorrow night. The winner of tonight's game doesn't have to worry about baseball tomorrow and can rest up until Wednesday night. So, huge game tonight. Lots of expectations. We've heard a lot of predictions. Everybody seems to believe 6-5 will be a score somewhere around in there. James, what do you expect to see? I expect this to be a nice scoring. I don't think it'll be like both teams score double digits, but I also don't think it's going to be a game where it ends up being like a 5-3 to three or so with what you saw last Saturday. I think it ends up being LSU 9, Wake Forest 7. Ooh. So that's a lot of runs, though. In, in yeah, reality, that's a lot of runs, but it's not. But not like a crazy eighteen amount. sixteen, right? It's not like it's not like a fourteen to eleven type of game. So then you basically have LSU because of that going to the championship round. Correct. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to say is interesting. I'm going to go the other way just because I like to be that way. Parody. I think. <laughs> no, I think the. I always believe that when needed, um, I always go with pitching mm-hmm. over offense uh, because I think pitching can control offense better than offense can control pitching. Um, and I think they have enough, Wake Forest has enough pitching to navigate a very good LSU offense. I think Wake Forest's offense is good enough to score against a not a great LSU rotation after Paul Skeens. I'm going to say 7-5, 7-6 LSU, uh, Wake Forest. And because of that, I'm not saying that LSU is done. Um, I think the interesting thing is if you do lose this game, if you're LSU, when do you bring Paul Skeens back? Do you bring him back Wednesday night, which would be – what three days rest? Do you bring him back Thursday night? Um, if you're going to bring him back Thursday night, can you get to Thursday night? Because I think when he pitches, LSU will win the game. So that that's why this is imperative for Wake Forest has to win to me to beat LSU. It's just that simple. Want to thank our guest today, Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser, and Todd Butler formerly a McNeese State and now the Oklahoma assistant baseball coach and recruiting coordinator. I'm Jim Gazzolo. I was sitting in for Jordy. Don't forget to watch or listen to LSU baseball tonight on The Game.